Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Everybody loves new things. Getting something new is almost always fun and exciting. There's just something about newness that we all kind of liven up for. Uh, we all appreciate it, we enjoy it. Uh, it's like when you're a kid and you get a new bike, or maybe even your first bike, that's also a new bike. The handlebars glisten in the sun, and you kind of have this twinkle in your eye as you look at it, because it's your new bike. And then, of course, as you get older, then, you know, you get your first, uh, you get your new car, right? And even though your first car may have memories that go along with it, like when you had to roll down the windows by hand and roll them back up, or using your cassette player, and yes, I am speaking from experience, uh, your first car will always have good memories, but when you get a new car... I mean, you just feel like you won the lottery. Driving down the street, the windows open, the cool air from your air conditioning, your CD player, I mean, the whole thing. That new car is just a good feeling. And then, of course, you know, it's uh, also the newness of a new place to live, like a new apartment or a new house. I mean, there's that new condition where it's so perfectly clean and it's just pristine. There's something about newness that we all like. And at the same time, when things are new, they come with a certain expectation. See, when I'm talking about something being new, I don't just mean that something is new to you. I'm not talking about like when you buy a used book and technically you've never owned it, so therefore it is new. No, no, I mean new, like when you're opening up a present on Christmas morning and you're so careful to delicately open the package because it's new. And when something is new, it's supposed to have a certain look it's almost, I think, in our minds, supposed to be perfect. No spots, no blemishes, no breaks, no marks. I mean, it is new. You know, it's not supposed to have any wear and tear or signs that someone else has even really used it. And in some cases, something new even has a certain kind of smell. You know, like the little trees that hang from your rearview mirror in the car that have the new car smell. I mean, when something is new, it's supposed to be special and spectacular. It has expectations, and uh, for whatever reason, it quite literally is an experience that we've never had before. It's new, right? But the thing about new things is that once you own them, they're not new anymore. I know I'm kind of stating the obvious here, but it seems like the newness just wears off so quickly. We build up the experience of getting something new or doing something new. And then just like that, it happens and then it's not new anymore. And just like that, we find ourselves searching for something else that's new. We find ourselves uh, looking for the new thing, always desiring something new. And there's a lot more that can be said about newness and new things. But this morning, I want to shift our perspective to one thing. This morning, the focus of our text is going to be on you being made new. See, and I want you to remember this one simple truth. God promises to make you new. See, in our gospel lesson this morning, Jesus is saying the last of his famous I am statements that are only found in the gospel of John. 
Uh, the I am statements, uh, you probably have heard of them before. They're seven in total. And essentially, they are statements in which Jesus says, I am. And then he follows it up with some sort of illustration or connection to other various parts in Scripture. Uh, so some of the more familiar ones might be, I am the bread of life or I am the light of the world, or I am the way, the truth, and the life, which Jesus says in John 14. And then, of course, just last week, you heard another I am statement from John chapter 10. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And so this morning, we get the last of those I am statements. In John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine. And once again, he's creating that connection and he's using an image that has been used in other parts of scripture to illustrate what he's talking about. See, when Jesus says that he is the true vine, he's very intentional about using that word true. Because in the Old Testament, there are some other vines that get talked about. Uh, in the book of Isaiah and in the book of Ezekiel, we hear about vines and vineyards and, and some illustrations about how those vines and vineyards are supposed to work. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 5, um, we're told about the unholy vineyard. See, in Isaiah 5, the prophet talks about how the people of Israel are supposed to be the vine. And the place that they're going to dwell is the vineyard. And, of course, vines in a healthy vineyard are going to bear healthy fruit. But as you may have guessed, the people of Israel don't exactly function as a healthy vine. See, uh, they turn away from God and his commands. And so they don't reap good fruit. Instead, they reap unhealthy fruit. They are an unhealthy vine. And so they are judged for being unhealthy. And so when Jesus, in this morning's text, says that he is the true vine, he's making it clear to his disciples and to us that there was an old false vine. That vine doesn't mean anything anymore because now we have the true vine. And then Jesus begins to unpack what it means for him to be the true vine and for the vine to have a vine dresser and for the branches of that vine. And Jesus says this, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. He removes every branch that in me bears no fruit, and every branch that, he that does bear fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. So when I first read this text, I thought to myself, what in the world is a vine dresser? And so I, naturally I did what any of us would do. I googled it. And I learned that basically a vine dresser is responsible for keeping the branches of a vine healthy in order to ensure that it grows fruit. If the vine dresser does not do his or her job, then the vine will grow all over the place and it probably won't bear any fruit. And if it does bear fruit, it won't be usable. It will be unhealthy fruit. And so then the vine will be useless. So it's fair to say that the vine dresser has a lot of pressure on his or her shoulders. I mean, basically, if they don't do their job properly, then the vine doesn't produce grapes. And if the vine doesn't produce grapes, then the winemaker cannot make wine. And if the winemaker cannot make wine, then somebody is going to be pretty angry when they're trying to celebrate National Wine Day with a cold glass of apple juice. <laughs> but, but seriously, the vine dresser has such an important responsibility when it comes to making sure the vine stays healthy. But here, Jesus uses that imagery in a unique kind of way. Because he says, he is the vine. 
and his heavenly father, our heavenly father, is the vine dresser. And so Jesus makes it clear to us who is doing all the work. Because if he is the vine and his father is the vine dresser, then we are the branches. And as you heard, the vine dresser does two things with the branches. He either removes them completely because they are dead and not going to bear any fruit. Or he prunes them and cares for them so that they will produce fruit because they are already producing fruit. Except when Jesus uses that word prunes in the, in the Greek text, while we translate it to prunes, it also means cleanses. This is why in verse 3, Jesus says to his disciples, you have already been cleansed by the word. Because the pruning process is a cleansing process. When the vine dresser prunes the vine, he prunes the branches, he is cleansing the branches. And so through this cleansing process, then the branches bear more fruit. And when we say something is cleansed, it means that it's constantly being cared for, constantly being refreshed, constantly being made new. So when was the last time you felt like you were a new person or like you were made new? In some cases, when someone says, I feel like a new man or a new woman, it usually comes after a significant change in their life. Uh, maybe it's after he gets out of a, a difficult relationship in which now he begins to see things differently. Or uh, maybe she leaves a toxic work environment and now she works in a place where she is valued, honored, and respected. And I find it even more common that people often use that phrase that they feel new after somewhat of a physical change. For example, a few weeks ago, after I got my hair cut, I walked out of the barbershop feeling like a new man. And more often than not, people will say that they feel new after they lose a lot of weight. And let's be honest, we all like new things. But at the same time, that newness doesn't last nearly as long as we want. And not only that, the newness wears off pretty quickly, especially when it comes to our physical appearance. You can cut your hair or dye your hair. You can get a new piercing or a new tattoo. You can lose weight. You can gain weight. But are you actually new? Deep down, do you really feel new? Because you still carry all the things from your past. You still carry all the shame and the mistakes. You still carry all the burdens and the sorrows and the pain. You still walk around with all those things, even if you've changed perhaps how you look. And not to mention, you're still a sinner. Deep down, even if you change your outward appearance, it doesn't really mean that you are actually new. But that's because... Being made new is outside of your control. Brothers and sisters in Christ, God is the one who promises to make you new. God is the one making all things new. He is doing the work. He makes you new. And he does this through the true vine. The true vine that you are deeply connected to. 
the true vine that promises you life. And apart from this vine, there is no life. The true vine whose branches bear fruit in every season and you are those branches. The true vine that is Jesus. Because you are connected to this true vine, God is working to make you new. And this work begins with Jesus. Just as Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. He continues on. In verse 4, he says, abide in me just as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. Jesus abides in you and you abide in him. Jesus dies for you and your sins die with him. Jesus rises for you and you rise with him. Jesus calls you by name and he calls you his branches. Jesus chooses to dwell within you and you are rooted in him. Jesus is the true vine and you are his branches. And like a vine dresser, his heavenly father, our heavenly father, your heavenly father, cleanses you. He cleanses the parts of you that do not bear fruit. He intricately and carefully and continually removes all those parts that are not good for you. He pulls you away from the things that seek to bring you to death and destruction. He wants to keep you healthy so that you continue to produce fruit because you are a branch of the true vine. And God the Father promises to cleanse those branches. No matter how beaten up, no matter how worn down, no matter how old, you are still being made new. Because that's God's promise to you. God promises to make you new. See, when you're connected to Jesus, your Heavenly Father isn't waiting for you to do something. He is constantly working to make you new. And the thing about being made new is that it's an ongoing process. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not some 60-day trial. It is constantly happening. The continual process of being made new is a reality of the curse and the blessing of the promise. See, because it means that you are still in need, in constant need, of being pruned and cleansed and trimmed. Yes, that work continues, but at the exact same time, and even more importantly, this means that God is constantly, relentlessly working on you. He is working to cleanse you and working to make you new. And as the branches that are being cleansed, you will bear fruit. You are already bearing fruit. And the fruit that you bear will be a reason to rejoice. The fruit that you bear reminds us to give glory to the vine and to the vine dresser. The fruit that you bear impacts the world around you. 
because the fruit that you bear is the fruit of the true vine. The fruits of forgiveness, the fruits of love, of peace, of fullness, of hope. As God's people connected to the vine, church, as you are pruned by the vine dresser, you are given abundant opportunities to go and bear that fruit, to then deliver that fruit to the world and to tell them about how good it feels to be made new. By your bearing fruit, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, God is using you to share that fruit with the world. And all the while, he's still working on you. He's still cleansing you to make you new. Jesus is the true vine and you are his branches. Connected to him, God the vine dresser. He's at work to make you new each and every day. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.